our attitudes and our traditions and our culture and our rules can be strong and hard to overcome and they get passed down generation to generation. Sometimes they uh, they can create conflict and lead to an attitude that, that, that resembles being judgmental and people say things and do things that cause hurt and pain and Probably some of you have experienced that in your past. Maybe some of you are the ones who delivered the hurt and pain because of some of those things you inherited. When you, you know, when you, when, when you think about uh, how, how things that we think and feel that are so culturally based and, you know, tradition based get passed down, we all are still dealing with the, the fallout and the remnants to some extent of slavery and race relations in this country. The church I pastored in Sumter. Uh, in the 80s, had a beautiful balcony. That sanctuary was built in the 1840s. And it was the original building. They had turned it perpendicular to where it originally stood and remodeled it, but it was still the original sanctuary with hand-carved columns holding up that balcony. That balcony in the 1840s and the 1850s was the slave gallery where slaves who were members of that Baptist church would walk upstairs on the outside, sit in the balcony, and then after the service exit through those stairs directly from the balcony. Over time, when it was remodeled, the stairs on the outside were removed, and it just became part of the balcony of the church. What intrigued me was that if you drove just a few miles from Bethel Baptist Church on Bethel Church Road, that tells you how old the church was, if you drove just a few miles, you came to a smaller brick church that was New Bethel Baptist Church. And New Bethel was the African-American church that was started for the former slaves following the Civil War. And in the decades and years that followed, there was separation, there was prejudice, there was animosity, there was hurt. And we still deal with some of the remnants of that today. I remember in the late 80s and early 90s when I was a young pastor here and we started having minorities and in particular African Americans begin attending church here. For the, mo for the most part, most people were fine with that, but there was some uneasiness on the part of some. I remember one deacon at the time very sin sincerely saying to me, uh, if, if they're coming to, to really worship, then that's okay. And that was kind of a carryover of the tension of the 60s. We don't get over our experiences and the things we've heard and the things that have been passed on to us very quickly in so many ways in life. It's, it's, it's a work that's, that takes a lot, of, a lot of effort. And all of us have our rules and our traditions, and they can create can conflict in the family, can't they? I remember uh, when I was a little boy growing up in Kentucky, we always opened our Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. And then when I was in about fourth or fifth grade, A.O. Fields and his family came to our house one Christmas Eve. Now, this is a family that we were friends with. We picnicked together. We did a lot of things together. And, and it was dark. It was Christmas Eve, and our lights were on, and the tree was, you know, blinking. And we had not opened our gifts because we always did that on Christmas morning. And A.O. Fields and his family come to our house, and they get out of the truck, and all of his kids have all of their toys because they opened their gifts on Christmas Eve. Well, what do you think we did? 
Well, we, we opened our, we gave in to the pressure and we opened our gifts that Christmas Eve. And what did that do? It started a new tradition in our family. And every year after that, we started opening our gifts on Christmas Eve. And I remember when I was in college, one Christmas in particular, I just said, I don't like this. And I want us to go back to opening our gifts on Christmas morning. Christmas, it's not Christmas at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And uh, I asked mom and dad and my sister and my brother, and what do you think they said? No, no way. Because they liked the new tradition. And I, I can remember that Christmas Eve feeling angry and kind of, you know, pouting. And it, you, you see, it's, it's not just big things, but it's little things that, that we have adopted as our way of doing things, as our way of thinking, our attitude, our traditions, our rules, all of that. Even in little things can cause us to have hard feelings, to argue, to say things, to not get along, to not compromise, to create problems, to hurt people. And I think Jesus understood that. Our word this year is clarity because we want to have clarity in our life, clarity in our relationship with Jesus, clarity in our understanding of his word, and clarity in how it applies to me. And, and I need clarity in those areas where I need to grow. Because if I don't clearly see where I need to grow, guess what? I'm not going to grow. And today I want to talk about getting clarity in this in this one area of life. Listen, listen. It's that that people matter more than our traditions. That people matter more than all of our rules. That people matter more than our culture. And the preferences that we have, that people matter more. And when traditions and culture and rules matter more than people, it always creates problems. People end up getting hurt. And if the traditions and the culture and the rules matter more than people to us, it means our heart needs to get a little bit bigger. Y'all remember the Grinch? And it, I, I wish I brought the book you know, or pulled a video clip out of the movie because his heart was so little, right? A little bitty black heart, and it needed to get bigger. And eventually, it, you remember the scene where it just grows and it grows and it grows and it, and it pounds and it grows and, it, and it's no longer black and it's red and it's beautiful? Some of us need our heart to get a little bit bigger. If your family fights over Christmas tradition, your heart needs to get a little bit bigger. Because people matter more than all that stuff. We need to listen to Jesus a little bit better. Now this week in our readings we were to read chapter 6 through 10 of Luke. Now remember we're reading the New Testament this year. And five chapters a week. If you don't have the reading plan it's on the table uh, beside the missions banner in the back. Stop there and get you the reading plan. But this week Luke chapter 6 through 10, and I said to you that I felt led of the Lord to preach a sermon most Sundays from one of the chapters you read this week. 
So how many of you read at least one chapter of Luke 6 through 10 this week? Wave at me. Great. How many read all five chapters? Great. And if, if you're behind, you didn't read any of it, don't try to catch up. Don't try to catch up. Just grab the reading plan and start with Luke chapter 11 and be ready with 11 through 15 next Sunday. But today I want to preach from chapter 6 because Jesus talks very clearly about this subject of people matter more than your traditions and your rules and your cultural preferences. He tells two stories. There's two stories in this chapter I want us to focus on. And I want us to hear with a, a big heart, okay, a big heart. I want us to hear what Jesus says. Luke chapter 6, let's start at verse 1, and we'll look at the first story, 1 through 5. And, and open your Bible if you have it, please. It says that it happened that as he, Jesus, was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath, and the Jewish Sabbath was Friday evening at sunset to Saturday evening at sunset. And so they're on Saturday, if you will, on the Sabbath, they're walking through some grain fields, and his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating the grain. Matthew's gospel tells us they were hungry. And so they're walking through the field hungry, and they begin rubbing the grain and eating it. And some of the Pharisees, in verse 2, some of the religious leaders of Judaism said, Why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, remember, in the Old Testament to the Jewish nation, God had said, You shall not work on the Sabbath. It's a day of worship. It's a day of rest. And they had taken those teachings, those commandments, those principles, and they had applied to them dozens upon dozens upon dozens of rules and traditions defining what is and is not work. And they were so meticulous about that. If, if, if you were going to eat anything on the Sabbath, you had to prepare it the day before. And so in their, eye, their eyes, their culture, when, when these disciples were rubbing that grain and, and preparing it so they could just eat it as they walked while they were hungry, they were working and therefore they were sinning. Now nowhere in the Bible does God say you can't rub grain on the Sabbath and eat it. But that had become their tradition. Because it's amazing how many times we make our traditions equal to the actual biblical commandment when they're not. Verse 3, Jesus answering said to them, Have you not even read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were still, who, who were with him. He's referring to King David. This is before he was king in the Old Testament. The story is found in 1 Samuel 21 of your Old Testament. How he, David, entered the house of God, the tabernacle, and he took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for any to eat except the priest alone, and gave it to his companions. And in and, and 1 Samuel 21, David and his fellow soldiers are hungry. They come to the tabernacle, and in the tabernacle there was bread that was consecrated and dedicated to God, and the only people who could eat it was, was at the end of the week when they would bring the new bread in, the priests, only the priests were supposed to eat that bread. Well, guess who ate it? David and his soldiers because they were hungry. And Jesus says, haven't you even read your own Bible? 
And in verse 5, he was saying to him, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying of himself, I am Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not my Lord, he says. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In the other Gospels, in the other Gospels, in, in, in Matthew 12, verse 7, in this same story, something is included that's not found in Luke's gospel. Matthew adds, Jesus saying this, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Jesus is referring to Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. When God through the prophet Hosea said to the people of Israel, what I want more than all of your rituals and your sacrifice is compassion. You can have the sacrifices and the rituals right, but if you don't have compassion, it's meaningless. Compassion comes first. And Jesus was saying to the Pharisees who were criticizing him and his disciples for rubbing that grain on the Sabbath and eating it, he was saying, if you understood what God said through Hosea, that compassion matters more than your rules, you wouldn't have condemned, notice this, do you notice the Word of God? Are you looking at the Word of God? You would not have condemned whom? That the disciples, Jesus says, were innocent of any sin when they broke the rule by eating and rubbing and eating the grain on the Sabbath. Compassion. Their hunger, their hurts, their needs take precedence. And it's so easy for us in life to reverse those. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 27, this same story, Mark tells us that Jesus also said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is intended to be a benefit, a blessing to man, not a burden. Man is not a slave to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is intended to serve us, not the other way around. And again, so often, so often we get it backwards. And if you want to know how difficult it is for us to overcome some of this stuff, just feel what some of you are feeling right now because there's some of you in this room have a little bit of angst about what I'm saying even though you know biblically I'm telling you the truth. That's how powerful tradition and rules and preferences and culture can be in our lives. Well, there's the second story in Luke chapter 6. The Bible says on another Sabbath, so this is a different Sabbath, he, Jesus, enters the synagogue and he was teaching them. There was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him because, you see, even... The work of healing somebody who was sick on the Sabbath violated their tradition, their culture, their rule that said, you don't work on the Sabbath. Verse 8, but Jesus, he knew what they were thinking. And by the way, he knows what I'm thinking and what you're thinking. And he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. He, the man, got up and he came forward. So he's standing there near Jesus. 
And then Jesus said to them, to the Pharisees, and those, those who, the scribes, those who were, who were criticizing him, who were looking at him, wondering what he was going to do. He said, I ask you, so here's a question. Is it lawful? Is it okay to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to destroy it? Matthew tells us in chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, when telling this same story, that Jesus also said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? You'll rescue one of your farm animals that's in danger on the Sabbath, but you consider it a sin for me to help this man on the Sabbath? How much more valuable, how much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? Because you see, a sheep is not created in the image of God, but every man and woman, whatever their background, whatever their race, whatever their culture, every man and woman is created in the image of God. Jesus said, you've got your priorities kind of out of kilter, don't you think? Because your rule is more important than this man with a withered hand. Why should he have to wait to be helped just because you have a tradition that says, I can't help him right now? Verse 10, after looking around at them all, and by the way, Mark tells us that when Jesus looked around at all of them, now listen to this, Mark says, he looked around at all of them with anger, grieved, brokenhearted, grieved at their hardness of heart. They were looking at Jesus to accuse him, criticize him, judge him, condemn him because on the Sabbath he was about to heal somebody who was hurting. Jesus looked at them and their attitude that said people don't matter as much as the traditions and their culture and their rules, and he became angry and grieved because their hearts were too small and too dark. And he said to the man, to him, stretch out your hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored. Now notice verse 11. But they themselves were filled with rage and discuss together what they might do to Jesus. Now, think about the contrast, the comparison. Jesus is angry and grieved because their hearts are so hard and they have no compassion for this man with a withered hand. They are angry because Jesus helped him and broke their rule. That sometimes we love our traditions and rules and culture too much don't often realize how harsh we act as a result. Sometimes we don't realize the hurt we cause because of it. We don't think we're being mean. But other people see us as not caring very much, as being rigid. And our attitude says they're not valuable. 
They don't mean much to us. A few months ago, a woman gave me a letter. I'm not going to share her name. I'm going to protect her privacy. But she gave me a letter, and uh, it was about events in her life some years ago. And let me read part of it to you. Hi, Pastor Steve. I just want to testify one thing about FBC, First Baptist Church. I came from another country, coming to Rock Hill. I did not have a family here or really any connections. As you know, I was in a tumultuous marriage that was incredibly abusive. And then I was kicked out of that marriage. I had no one to turn to and I was ashamed before God because I was a divorced woman. I thought God would reject me and I definitely thought that the church would reject me. But people from FBC reached out to me, loved me, and showed God's love to me. And then she said, I still have three prayer grams that were sent to me during that dark time. And now my life is restored. <laughs> you see, how we treat people matters. And there was a time in many churches when a woman who experienced divorce, even if she was being abused, would not have been received the same way. And think of all the hurt that was done to individuals, all the hurt that was done to the cause of Christ and to the kingdom of God because People didn't matter enough. How we treat people matters. It's important that you and I grow in kindness and the older we get, the more kindness there should be. None of us like it when people point out our blind spots. It's not fun. Much easier for us to see the blind spots in other people, to see the rigidity in other people, to see the wrong attitudes in other people than it is in ourselves. How do I know if I've got a problem? How do I, how do I know if, if people don't matter enough and rules and culture and traditions matter too much, matter more? How do I know that about myself? How do I know if I'm judgmental? How, how do I change and how do I grow and how do I overcome some of that? Well, let me give you four practical steps, okay? Jot these down. Here's four practical steps to grow in this area. Number one, listen to your self-talk. Now, what do I mean by that? Listen to the way you talk to yourself in your head when you're dealing with people. If your self-talk is quite often defensive. Defensive. Always in your head justifying yourself. May be an issue. If in your self-talk, others are usually wrong, it's typically somebody else's fault. You may want to pay attention because there may be a problem. You may need to get your heart just a little bit bigger. 
So listen to yourself talk. It might tell you something. Number two, listen to the people you love. Listen to the people you love. Do you find them getting frustrated with you? Do you find them pushing back? Do you find some of the people you love pulling away because they just don't want to deal with it anymore? Have, have, has someone that you love just plainly said to you, you got a problem in this area? You might want to listen a little bit to that. You might, you might want to see if your heart needs to get a little bit bigger. Number three, listen to your critics. Doesn't mean everything they say is right, but you, listen, we've all learned in life that quite often there is a grain of truth, a grain, a grain of truth in what our critics say. Can you listen to that? Are you open to it? And then number four, listen to Jesus. He loves us the most. He knows us the best. Get into his word and read it. And, 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 and my prayer is, is as you read the New Testament this year, you're going to hear the voice of Jesus on a regular basis. And as a result, your heart's going to get bigger. Your life will be more godly. You will grow and, 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 and you'll find more genuine joy and peace and connectedness to God. And, and you'll be more of an evangelist and, and make a difference in this world that's positive. And I'm also encouraging you, journal, journal, write down what God says to you because I promise you if you do that consistently week after week after week, you will hear God better. I want you to listen to Jesus. I want you to understand that growing in this area, man, it honors God. It's what Jesus wants, that growing in this area will bring more peace and more harmony and more joy into your life, that growing in this area will bring more peace and stability to your relationships, that growing in this area will make you a better witness for Jesus. And as divided as our nation is today, as much animosity and bitterness as there is in our culture today, we need this more than ever because we need to look more like Jesus and less like all the hateful rhetoric that fills our culture. We need to be influenced by the Word of God and the presence of Jesus more than CNN or Fox News. Did you hear what I said? In this same gospel of Luke, this same chapter 6, man, Jesus said a lot. Verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you and criticize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Verse 27 of chapter 6, But I say to you, 
who hear, those who hear me, he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other side. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not, re do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And on and on and on, that whole chapter, so much, so much. Jesus, listen, Jesus' way of treating people is different than the culture's way of treating people. And I, I believe this year may be the most challenging year for many of us in this country to live out what it means to love people and treat people the way Jesus tells us to do it. And God's convicted me, and I'll say to you, on the basis of what he said to me time and time and time again this past year in his words, I've read every verse of the New Testament, is I'm not going to allow any politics into this pulpit this year. And I'm asking you not to allow it into your Sunday school classes. We're going to focus on Jesus Christ and his word, on Jesus and his word, because that's the only place, that's the only place we're going to find what we really need. How we treat people. Not just in our culture, in our nation, in your home. It matters.